Thank you, Scott. No, a real pleasure from my side as well. Yeah, so Catalysis works in a, in a slightly funny niche, and so probably very few people would, would know the kind of work that we do. Uh, we, we, myself and my colleagues have a great, do a great job. We get to work with, uh, with growing companies, typically where an investor is already involved or looking to get involved, and we help those teams think about how to join up individual capabilities, team effectiveness, organizational capability, and strategy. Uh, and try and make all those things more or less align and make the journey of growth and value growth exciting rather than scary. And that's roughly what we do and various, various methods that we do that. Uh, but mostly we have senior people on our side working with senior people on the other to, to try and figure out uh, you know, the often difficult dilemmas um, and methods I guess to improve the batting average on the things which entrepreneurs and you know, chief execs find difficult sometimes. Uh, right. I graduated, and obviously this, this is going to date me, I graduated in 1990, just as the, the Berlin Wall, you know, the Iron Curtain fell, and I had already had to, to choose between getting a respectable job uh, in London, probably, uh, or going off to what sort of the Wild East. And so uh, I ended up in Romania, as you, as you rightly say. I had visited a couple of times prior to, prior to the revolution there. Uh, with a student group and doing some research, and uh, there were relatively few Romanians in in the West, whereas there are loads of Hungarians and Poles, uh, and Romanians an easier language to learn than some of the other ones. And so I ended up there, um, trying in a very amateurish way, it must be said, uh, to create various businesses, trying to create, we had a license for creating hush puppy shoes, and we were trying to export carpets and aluminium out of the Republic of Moldova uh, and trying to import secondhand clothes. And then a real, a real range of like, mad schemes at the time. Yes, I mean, absolutely. And I think um, what you had, I mean, obviously there was a, a little bit of, of culture shock, just the fact that it was you know, one country and language rather than the UK. So there was a bit of that. But actually the main thing that was the, the shock was a system you know, that under communism had worked with very different assumptions and the rules. And so uh, I was going through a rather chaotic transition 
towards you know, more democratic forms of government and towards market-based forms of you know, economics. And so it was, I mean, pretty mad uh, in the beginning. Um, so what, you know, in terms of learning from that, I think you know, one was that you needed to be extremely nimble uh, because you could quite easily find a, a roadblock uh, to a business appearing almost overnight. You know, the big issue that we had in 1990, 91, was just the availability of hard currency. And if you had access to that, you could make lots of money. And if you didn't, you could you know, basically uh, get squished. Um, but as I started then working um, to help, um, to work with businesses looking to come from, from the West, to Romania, um, I guess one of the things was that in that environment that was so chaotic and unknown for companies coming from elsewhere, uh, I, I learned a phrase, which is that in the land of the blind, the man with one eye is king. And that was me. I didn't know very much is the reality, but I knew more than anybody else. And I knew a little bit of Romanian. And so uh, it was possible to make certain things happen just through uh, a bit of enthusiasm, a bit of energy. Uh, and helping install relatively simple methods and routines, which could be very value-adding for you know, those companies in Romania and also those coming from the West. So uh, I, I guess what I draw from that is that in, in a in ill-defined market, uh, you need people who are prepared to do things you know, quick and dirty, uh, making things move around quite, uh, quite quickly. So going from kind of nothing to okay rather than okay to good or good to great. Uh, you know, there is that kind of messy early stage where you, you, you just got to try stuff and see what happens. And that, in a way, when I came back to the UK subsequently, you know, in this area of looking at management teams with, with and for investors, uh, there's a bit of that as well, which is nobody quite knows. So you just got to try something and see what happens and then improve on it and keep, keep improving until it becomes decent. Um, well, I mean, it, it, it could be. I mean, I think, uh, having said that, when I think of the entrepreneurs who we get to to work with as catalysis, you know, it, it's rare that, I mean, there, there will be occasions, but lots of the teams, particularly kind of in the, in the tech space, are very ideational. They're, they're, they are able to think of all sorts of things. But there's this interesting sort of transition between sort of chaotic ideas, but no execution. And then on the other end of the spectrum, just doing the same old thing in the same old way. Uh, and somewhere in the middle is a magic zone where we're taking a few things uh, which are genuinely new and giving them enough oomph and you know, management bandwidth to make them actually work. And that's that is space which is quite difficult to identify. I and mean, I think one of the things that, that I learned, or it also, I guess, comes from a lesson in Romania, is that particularly for entrepreneurs who are going into markets where there are incumbent players, but often interesting things happen at borders, and by borders I don't just mean geographical, obviously that was part of my Romanian experience, but uh, between functions or between different parts of a market, 
um, and the opportunity for entrepreneurs you know, who are insurgents very often uh, you know, going up against you know, big established companies doing roughly the same thing is, is usually a, a way of losing money. But if you're connecting things in a new way or going across a, a geographical border which people haven't gone across before, often that is where you know, small amounts of effort and bandwidth can produce quite big returns. So I'm quite interested in, in, in a way, the solution to that. I mean, I, I, so yes, yes, trying things out, but doing them in places where you're more likely to, to have the time to experiment and grow before a bigger player comes and attacks. Well, co correct. I mean, so um, yeah, a lot, lot of the businesses that, that, that we're working with at the moment um, you know, are looking at a an existing activity and then finding a new tech solution to, to particular pain points. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to name them, but you know, one is a business which um, I worked with a few months ago um, where you know, just in terms of how do contracts get created in you know, in companies, you know, it's a relatively manual and expensive method, and they might be using outside lawyers. You know, what that business does is it, is it is it found a way to automate the most common sorts of, of contracting processes, and then getting them inserted into uh, into Word, into Excel, and so on. So I mean. In a way, you kind of think, well, wouldn't that have been done already? And the answer was no. And they, they spotted that gap. While well, I was working very recently with a business over um, in Amsterdam, you know, who provide, who are building a technical solution for, for verifying and certifying carbon credits for companies, which again, for those who've got big supply chains, is a real pain. It's very manual right now. And again, they, they, they found a solution. So there, in both cases, they, they spotted. Um, a pain point which people haven't already resolved, uh, and they're applying some technology, which I guess is, is true for lots of businesses right now. Well, it's interesting. So I had a call just before you and I began speaking with a, actually an investor-backed um, tech business who helped who help uh, small and mid-sized advisory consultancy businesses, a bit like Catalysis, um, to look at their business model and see what could be automated and apply some AI, um, machine learning, 
to to help make business models more efficient and to to improve the quality of delivery to to clients. And look, I guess like any advisory business, there's always a risk of being a bit hypocritical of telling clients really well what they should be doing and they're not doing it ourselves. And so, um, yeah, and I'm looking at that that potential automation process for our business as something which on the one hand should save money, so it's, it's good for a you know potentially recessionary uh, period, but also makes us more scalable because I'm still hoping that we can grow through the recession. So it doesn't necessarily have to be either or, but either we kind of you know bunker down uh, or that we kind of go and help level for growth in a way that in the middle of that space, there is this evolving business model for you know what for the tomorrow which is which is approaching us. Look, I, I'm, a, I'm an economic historian by background, and almost every major um, technology improvement has been greeted with, with horror, um, whether it be the introduction of electricity, which, again, there were people going around saying it was going to kill, kill, kill the population. Obviously, you know, electricity can kill people, um, but on the whole, it's been pretty good. You know, the internal combustion engine, which obviously we're now worried about because of the, you know, the pollution. Um, but the reality is that cars liberated uh, lots of people from drudgery and, you know, our streets from horse manure. Um, so, uh, you know, big enabling technologies are, are scary. They do involve lots of, of change and adaptation, but usually uh, end up reducing lots of sort of mindless grind. Uh, none of us enjoy mindless grind. And so AI, I think, is the same as that. It, it, it isn't the solution to all of our problems, but it is a tool which I think can allow us to do better, better work a bit more efficiently. Look, I, I'm I'm a I'm somebody who's really enthused by uh, solutions which are high impact and low cost. Uh, I know that sounds kind of obvious, but that's why my little business is called Catalysis because it's the concept that with relatively small uh, interventions that it's possible to create a lot of value. Um, yeah, the cheapest thing that we can we can deploy um, is things which will help us avoid uh, doing stupid. Um, just to give us some examples, so there, are a number of, there are a number of things which we see entrepreneurs struggling with and, and suffering from. 
uh, many of which with without huge investments of time or money can be made significantly better. So I'll give a classic example, which would be hiring senior people, right? So most growing businesses, that's a, that's a big issue. But how, how do you find those people? How do you specify what you need? Uh, how do you uh, then onboard the person and get them productive? Those are quite expensive sorts of activities. Um, or you know, building teams or management practices which are going to be better than average. I mean, I'm also a big fan of, of what's called evidence-based management, which is looking at how companies go about doing things, seeing what seems to work better and what works less well on average, um, and then doing the stuff which works better. So in, in the case of, uh, you know, of bringing in senior hires, to me, the high-impact, low-cost thing to do is to get much better at specifying requirements. It's relatively cheap to do, and it avoids recruiters running around and bringing in irrelevant candidates, uh, and then people getting quite far down the line with some, with some potential you know, senior hires, and then ending up feeling that they're having to compromise because they, they, never, they never really spend enough time thinking up front what they're needed, and end up with people who are kind of good, hard-working people, but just not quite right for the role. And so you know, the opportunity to, uh, to be a bit more structured in thinking, what do I actually need for the business up front, rather than coming with a blank sheet of paper, writing down some relatively random things, and then hoping that it'll turn up, yeah, is a very expensive and, and quite stressy, stressful way of doing things. So I, I would say that the, the thing which is the biggest issue that most of our clients, you know, the, the entrepreneurial businesses face, um, are things that they half know. So, you know, they, they, they all the people who work with are ambitious and hard working. That's that's never the issue. They know lots about their market and their offering, but it's the kind of things which are everybody's second job. So, it is people management. It's looking at the organisation structure. It's how to run teams. It's how to build you know, meeting cadences. It's how to join up functions. It's these sorts of things which everybody sort of half knows about, um, but most of us don't do particularly well. Those things are rife with opportunities to do them significantly better without much greater effort. And the beautiful thing about that, of course, is that even in a recession, we can we don't need to spend money on those things on the whole. You don't necessarily need advisors or consultants like us to make significant improvements. It requires a bit of sitting down, not doing stuff, uh, even if it's only for an hour, just to think through what would be some guidelines or some principles that would improve the batting average for those things. So I'm a big fan of that because it's not everything, you know, those things don't necessarily depend on technology, although technology can help embed them. Um, that seems to me a very good way to, again, to save money and to improve impact.
Well, absolutely. But, you know, the, the biggest issue we have in kind of small cap mid-market companies is not, it, it, I mean, yes, it can happen that somebody can go in and disrupt the culture or, or not fit. But I would say the bigger issue is, is just in terms of you know, capacity and, and sort of capabilities and skills is good people going into the wrong jobs. And then they struggle, the business struggles as a result. Um you know, there are, of course, there are, there, are, there are some idiots and rascals out there, but they're a relatively small number in my experience. Um, it's just good people, say, going into the wrong roles, and you know, then the business, it takes six, nine, 12 months to, to get that, that role turned around in one form or another. I mean, the, the other thing, uh, which is kind of, not, kind of not unrelated to that, is, is the people that we work with have got usually various kind of KPIs, financial KPIs, commercial ones, operational ones, and lots of things that, that we do which are important, like you know, uh, building teams, making organizations work better, sharpening strategy. None of those things have clear measures to them. So in that sense, they're a bit invisible. We all talk about them, we kind of do bits of them. Um, but if you don't have the insight into how well those things are working, and that doesn't have to be some sophisticated metric. It could just be uh, for the teams who are learning how to, to build better meetings, asking themselves at the end of each meeting for a minute, you know, what worked well, what didn't work well in this meeting, and what could, what little tweak might we make to make this a little bit better next time. So lots of little opportunities of that sort to to improve the, the particularly the, the connected tissues, as it were, of, of businesses without, again, lots of cost or sophistication. Yes, very much so. Um, yes, I think taking our own medicine is uh, is, is important. Um, so there are a couple of couple of things, I guess. The, the first is yeah, the environment is changing. It's it's a cooler economic environment for sure. Yeah, 
the last couple of years, we've been very heavily engaged on transaction work because people have wanted to, to invest money and to sell their businesses. So we've had a lot of work in that sort. And that seems to be cooling down, uh, at least to some extent. And so we are shifting, shifting, having to shift gears again to doing more work on improving uh, team organization uh, effectiveness, um, businesses, some of whom will, get, will, will themselves have to be adjusting their business models um, and changing their, their priorities. And so um, we need to be working with companies on different things, so we may need to build some new tools to help help you know clients with some of those things. Uh, we need to be remembering things that we haven't maybe haven't done for a while. So that's that's one aspect of it. The other aspect, I guess we already touched on it, is um, you know, we are quite a people-intensive business, providing sort of high-level advice to entrepreneurs and investors. Um, but I think our business model needs to evolve too, and so I do expect that we're going to do a certain amount of digital transformation you know, to automate the things which can be automated. You know, for us, our business is all about you know, uh, personal-to-person, high-trust kind of conversations. But there's a bunch of things which I think that we can and should um, find ways to use better tools on, uh, so that we can deliver high quality at you know, low cost um, in a period where you know that efficiency is is quite important. I think that so if, if the first is adjusting to the different kind of requirements, the second is digital transformation, and the third, which is um, is that uh, we are also trying to find a way to move from, from being a kind of a good operating business, you know, just doing projects well, creating impact, to building our own equity value. Um, yet till now, we've just been happy doing our projects. I think uh, one of the things that's always worth thinking about from an entrepreneurial perspective um, is, is this something which can be given life beyond the few people who are involved with the business today, you know, how, how do we leave a legacy? And part of that legacy then has economic value in terms of IP, which is embedded, in terms of processes which are working by themselves, and the business not depending quite so much on, on me personally. So that's on my mind as well: is, is how do we build that that longer term you know, future for the catalysis? Right, thanks, Scott. Thank you. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, and there's, there's a lot of, lot of our, our thoughts and, uh, I guess, research and so on there, which which might be helpful to, to some of those listening.
Thank you so much, Scott. Really appreciate it.